0: Shield, a long form discussion podcast about musical topics both past and present. I'm Gabe and I'm joined as always by Dan. Hello. And Darren. Hello. You know I like to start each episode by asking you guys if you've listened to anything interesting lately.
1: Yeah, I mean you you know the uh Warp took over um mm. the NTS radio uh was last weekend. Uh you know yeah. so I, I listened to a ton of that and that, that just got me right back hooked uh on Autecker, as always mm. and uh Boards of Canada. I really haven't listened to them in quite a while, so uh I, I was listening to that, that DJ mix they did, what like Societus or something. And then uh just running through the old discography.
0: Yeah, I was kinda of doing the same actually because I love the new like warp sets by Autecker and then mm-hmm. um I just noticed it used to not be this way, but title has added like Boards of Canada's entire discography, so I actually ended up revisiting a lot of that uh as well. What about you, Darren?
2: Aside from the subject of today's episode, I was actually checking out that new Tom York record. I gave it a few spins uh, this week, and uh, I liked it. You know, at first I didn't really like it. Um, You know, I'm not like the biggest fan of the Eraser, but um, it grew on me. The uh, second half of the record, actually, I was uh, pleasantly surprised by.
0: Yeah, we were kind of discussing, me and Dan, that he sounds like actually a competent electronic music producer for the first time, almost. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's fair to say, yeah. Yeah, well, I want to shout out uh, Freddie Gibbs and Mad Libs Bandana, which uh, I'm really, really digging um, to my in my opinion, let's say maybe some people will be mad about this. I think the uh, production is not quite as strong, still good, but not quite as strong as on their previous album together, Pinata. But Freddie Gibbs has really stepped his game up to the point where he's, you know, like really upstaging, in my opinion, some of the guest artists here, which include like Pusha T, Most Deaf, Black Thought, and... That is no small feat. Um, also, you know, he's from Gary, Indiana, and he raps on one song about, like, surviving the whole summer with no air conditioning. And I am in Indiana and currently sweating my ass off with no air conditioning. So I really, really felt that. Very relatable. Yeah. Alright, but let's go ahead and jump into today's topic. A couple weeks ago marked the 30th anniversary of Nirvana's debut album, Bleach. And while the band wouldn't radically transform both music and popular culture until the release of their sophomore LP, of course, 1991's Nevermind, Bleach's arrival feels, in hindsight, like a momentous event worth celebrating. Indeed, critic Andy Beta marked the occasion by ranking every Nirvana song for Vulture.com And while we are all eager to discuss that list, we got even more excited about preparing and inevitably arguing about our own top 10s. Now, I want to get right into our list, which we haven't actually shared with each other yet. But first, I think we should review both our past and present levels of Nirvana fandom. What about you, Dan?
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, as any good teenager of of our age, I, uh, you know, was obsessed with Nirvana. It was, you know, one of the first, like, real bands I got into and... Um, you know, I just, just loved them and loved everything about them. I I still have my, uh, copy of, uh, Kurt Cobain's journals that I bought the Mm, day it came out. Uh, I looked up 17 years ago. I've had that, um, (laughs) you know, just, just absolutely was, was obsessed with them. Found many a great band through them. Mm. Um, in, in my older age, you know, they, they sort of feel like, uh, you know what I imagine, like you know, if you grew up with Led Zeppelin or something, you know, they must feel you know they're sort of that band to to people my age. I think um, I still enjoy them, but I don't like regularly listen to them. But you know, I I, I throw a record on here and there. Uh, I, I like to play the drums along the bleach, uh, mm. do that every now and then. Um, but you know, I'm not not as obsessed as I once was. Yeah, you know, it's
2: it's difficult for me to articulate the impact that nirvana had on me you know i thought about this for basically the the entire time we've been listening um you know talk about like a a life-changing band Uh a band that really like sort of shifts your direction your path in life and i think nirvana did that for me you know uh in terms of like you know just trying to like you know emulate kurt cobain whatever i thought kurt cobain was you know what i mean uh, growing my hair out, a <laughs> band, playing nothing but Nirvana song. I mean, I learned guitar because of Nirvana. Like I have a you remember this game, I have a binder full of guitar tabs of Nirvana songs. You know what I mean? Like I yeah. was like living and breathing them, posters on the wall, you name it. Like it was there was nothing else out there um, for a few years of my life, you know what I mean? Um, and you know, you, you kinda move on and I think that's like the natural thing. You kinda progress and find other bands, you know, of course like Dan you mentioned. Kurt you know certainly introduces you to other bands if you read into his interviews or his journals right um, but you know looking back I still you know I I, I love Nirvana you know I, I'm obviously not <laughs> I don't have long hair and wearing you know ripped jeans and <laughs> right. right now <laughs> anymore but um, that doesn't mean I don't you know I hate the music or anything I still still love the music but it's not something I'm like regularly <clears throat> listening to
0: yeah, I I was equally obsessed, and in fact, we were. You know, I was with you covering all those Nirvana songs uh, for all those all those many many hours learning. That's how we met, really, song. right? I mean, yeah, it really is. I remember and, the day you came over. <laughs> right, and in a way, it's like I would consider Nirvana almost my first favorite band. To where I I liked bands before that, but I never got so fully obsessed with like the mythology and the story. I'm like reading books and everything. I was just. Yeah new to me and like you guys said it sent me in so many different directions i think we'll return to that uh that topic but you know in the years since i really have had a hard time listening to nirvana returning to nirvana um even when you know years ago these um you know deluxe editions would come out and they would be remastered versions of their albums and i would be kind of excited and intrigued by revisiting and just like put it on and just kind of not even finish it because it's just i've over listened so much so then Mm -hmm. this this uh week where we were kind of preparing to do this was like the first real time in a very long time that i just sort of forced myself to like try to get back into it and we can kind of talk about how well that went but i think we should jump into the lists so we'll count it from 10 all the way to one uh for each of us dan what was your number 10 favorite or best nirvana song
1: yeah, for number 10, I went, Smells Like Teen Spirit. You know, I. Okay. I, okay. I, I, okay. I thought we'd all be too cool. <laughs> <laughs> you know, nobody wants to put it on the list. And yeah, I mean, that song is like overplayed. There, you know there, there's nothing new to discover it in it anymore but but you gotta admit i mean it is like a fantastic song a, as a you know pop song and i mean it it, it completely like changes the course of musical history so I, yeah. I you can't overstate like the importance of this song so i'm gonna say I, i'm not too cool i'm gonna throw it on there <laughs> at number 10 you know i'm I'm too cool to put it away, right but.
0: <laughs> how do you feel about that pick darren um, it's a good pick, it's on my list oh, okay. it's
2: fairly close to that pick so I guess I'll talk about it a little bit too Um, you know like you mentioned, it changed the course of music That's this is the song that changed the course of my life, you mm-hmm. know, this was True. the song exactly. that got me into Nirvana, and coming back listening literally to their entire catalog, b-sides, live songs, everything you know, Smells Like Teen Spirit is a great song, like just incredibly written, like Kurt is You know, he didn't even seem to realize how incredible the song was uh, when it first came out. You know, they all thought In Bloom was going to be the song that was going to change everything. But no, I mean, you know, just those chords, like the way the song like kicks in, the the lyrics like, you know, that kind of like capture the whole mood of the generation, even though Kurt clearly wasn't, you know, he didn't want to be that person that was doing that. But like the lyrics that come to mind are like, you know, here we are now, entertain us. And you think about... 90s teenagers or teenagers in our own generation like that is exactly kind of like where we were and he you know it was just such a perfect song perfect timing and it feels like it works you know not just in the 90s it doesn't matter like every generation it will come back to the song it,
1: yeah it's it's like perfectly timeless
0: yeah see i'll admit it did not make my list um, yeah, too cool which, fair that's fair i know <laughs> a, little, a little embarrassed but the, my issue is is this is like i can distinctly remember the absolute rush that hearing that song gave me you know i mean I, this is a long time ago i was actually like trying to search my memories for when i even discovered nirvana um but you know it must have been in like the casa days or Kaza, however you want to pronounce that this mm-hmm. file sharing stuff and you know, just that seemed to be a popular song commonly uploaded. So I download it and it just like blew my head off. You know, I just couldn't, I couldn't get enough of it. And well into my sort of teenage life, it would still just do that for me every time. And now it just doesn't. It's like, I cannot find that feeling like, you know what I'm trying to describe that like surge of energy that that song gives you. I don't, have it do you guys I mean I don't have it anymore because I've I've heard that
1: song uh, 8 billion times I I work in radio so I right. probably have heard this song every day uh <laughs> for like uh, you know 31 years um so you know it's it, I, I you, anything you know you, my your favorite movie if you see it every day for like your entire life you're not going to have that rush anymore you know so no I don't have that rush but it's it's not the song's fault it's the uh you know over saturation's fault
2: i think what kind of got me you know feeling that surging because I, I totally get what you're saying gabe but like listening to some of these live albums and and i'm gonna probably come back to this a few times when i talk about some of these tracks and just the energy that you know that this this song in particular as long with uh, others just kind of like erupts you know what i mean like it it just kind of explodes way way more than like even the the uh the studio version of it you know what i mean and it just yeah it just i i can like the energy just gets me every time you know what i mean like it's just such a incredible song you just cannot help but like bang your head to it (laughs) right you know Uh, i don't know
1: and i i can actually i can remember like the first time that i like heard this song uh i was like a little kid and i remember we were out trick-or-treating and you know my dad would follow us in his car and I remember like getting in and it was like, pl- you know, just playing on the the local rock station. And I was like, man, that is a, you know, that's a, <laughs> that's a banging track. And then, you know, and then I, 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 my mom was like, she always had these, uh, it was like the CD thing where you could, you, it was, uh, like clear publishers clearing house or something where you like would order uh, the C you would get like 10 CDs a month or something. And so I, you know, she would let me get like one or two each time. And I, I got, I got never mind because I heard that song on the radio at, you know probably eight or nine or something and uh you know i didn't really get into nirvana yet i just pretty much would listen to that song on the cd but you know eventually i did Conveniently,
0: the first track no exactly yeah Yeah,
1: exactly
0: yeah okay well i think uh we will have more to say about that a little later when we get to the uh, vulture list but um darren what is your number 10 nirvana song
2: number 10 for me this might surprise you It's Radio Friendly Unit Shifter from In Utero. All right. right. Okay. So, and I will be honest, like, when I was listening to this record back in the day, I wasn't a big fan of the song. It was one I would often kind of, like, skip over. You know what I mean? I'm not going to lie. But the song actually grew on me over the years. Like, In Utero is my favorite Nirvana record. I will just be upfront about that. Me too, yeah. And coming back to the record over the years, this song just stood out to me. And here's the reason why I put it on my top ten list. You know, it kind of combines like the some of the best parts about uh Nirvana's tendency to, you know, create feedback, a lot of noise, you know, endless nameless. But right. you know, to kind of like encapsulate that into like an, an actual song with, you know, a great beat, uh, you know, a great, you know, chorus, if you will. Um and, uh, you know, I think it, it, it changes, you know, Nirvana's notorious for like being that sort of like, uh, what, like soft, loud, soft, loud, mm-hmm. you know, right. kind of thing. This song is like different than that. It's, it's, it's noisy, you know, the verses are noisy and then he kind of just jumps into this like really exhilarating, uh, you know, bridge, course, whatever you want to call it, and... I don't know. I, I just love it. And I still love it. It's it's great. It sounds great live on that. I, you know, I was listening to the Super Deluxe in utero, and they, uh, they did that live and loud. Oh, my God. The song starts the show. And it really made me feel like if there was anything I could like, if there was any show I could go back to or see somebody live, Nirvana might be one of those bands, you know?
0: Yeah. I mean, it didn't make my list, but I will have a lot to say about in utero and the way that Nirvana incorporates like feedback and pure noise and particularly the way that on In Utero they are really you know almost hostile like we were saying a few episodes ago hostile toward their fans maybe that was just last episode um really like aggressively trying to shed their image as like the voice of a generation and everything and doing it by just punishing the right. casual listener uh I that was something that appealed to me a great deal back in, in that time. Um did this make your list, Dan? Uh no, but it,
1: it came very, very close. Like as as I was oh. culling down a list, you know, I made like a, a Spotify playlist and just kept calling it down and that that one was basically made it to the last round like it's number 11 i think you know like it 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 came very close that it's an excellent track and there's i'll talk a little bit uh more about sort of the reason i didn't put it on with with another track uh coming up here um okay but
0: yeah it's a fantastic song all right well i'll jump into my number 10 which is dumb that make either of yours guys list uh no it did not that it did not make my list, now. Wow. Well, I think this is just kind of an amazing, like, distillation of Kurt's songcraft. It's like this gorgeous little pop song, very much in line with kind of a John Lennon type of songwriting, I think, and it it also kind of looks ahead to stuff that I would get really into later in a way I didn't even appreciate at the time, but um, now it really strikes me as almost like a proto-Elliott Smith song or something. Um it's got that kind of, like, indie energy where it's so stupidly simple um, that, you know, you just feel like, I could have done this, you know, I, I I could do this. And yet, the arrangement is, like, so elevated with the use of the cello and the, you know, the, like, high harmony that kind of keeps repeating on, like, dumb at the end. And yeah. it creates, like, this kind of amazing dreamy vibe i always think of this in 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 the same like ballpark as um lenin's i'm only sleeping or the beatles i'm only sleeping rather uh it's got this kind of dreamy like drunken feel to it and yet it's more like i'm strung out on heroin rather than having a cool (laughs) dream but you know it reminds me of like on the beach that kind of vibe where it's like it's just so like weird and woozy and kind of out of it um, do you guys at least really like this song?
1: Yeah, I like it. It does like remind me of On the Beach, you know. I, I like the haziness, the 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 weariness in it. Uh you know, it's a, it's one of the the sweeter sort of uh Nirvana songs and all. not 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 one of my favorites though, but I, I do appreciate it. I think the unplugged I version's don't... better than the uh the mm, studio.
0: Interesting.
2: Hmm. I think I disagree. But I, I do uh <laughs> Love that song a lot. Um, it wasn't really close to making my list, um, but uh, I agree with you, Gabe. And I, I you know, it kind of gives a little bit of a hint at, at what Kurt might have done. You know, had he lived, you know what I mean. It would have been really interesting to see more tracks kind of built around. Yeah, you know, a bit of a softer approach and stuff. But uh, yeah, I mean, I I like it a lot.
0: Yeah, and it's something I, I want to return to uh, pretty often, which is like this interesting way that you know he he sort of commented on this song being about kind of like mindless idiots in the world who are just like watching you know tv and are just like really stupid but happy anyway or something but there's always like a level of self-deprecation in these kind of songs like sometimes kurt is very hostile and very critical of like the world and his listeners even and yet it always seems to like kind of point back at himself in an interesting way Mm -hmm, where He's, like, sort of with this song, he's, like, almost acknowledging, like, he's dumb entertainment as well. Um, this is something I think pops up a lot. Um, but let's move on to your number nine, Dan. Yeah, number nine for me,
1: I got a Downer, uh, which is... Wow. I, I Which... <laughs> I just learned when you told me, like, two days ago or so, uh, that it's actually a bonus track on Bleach my whole life. I've I've always (laughs) just had it on Bleach. I
0: never knew that. Um, And we should explain that it's because Sub Pop actually re-released, after Nirvana got famous, they re-released Bleach with two bonus tracks. So, really, literally everyone in the world heard the you know 13 track version or whatever it is yeah right. yeah and that, the song ends up on uh, incest or uh incesticide as well right yeah i correct, always wondered yeah. why it was there now yeah, yeah i did it
1: makes I, sense. I did too i always like I, i'm not sure if it's the same recording or not but it doesn't matter but um yeah i i picked this track i i read a, a quote like from kurt he said that nirvana is black sabbath playing the knack um, which I think is is like a cool uh, you know uh, idea, yeah. and and I think this song like sort of showcases it. You know, it's like really like the guitar is really doomy. Um, it, I assume it's down tuned. I don't I don't play guitar well. Um, uh, and but it's but in the the core of it, it's still like a punk rock song. It's playing right. Uh, the lyrics and everything you know are, are classic uh, Cobain. I, I think this is just like an excellent showcase of. Uh, the early sound. This is even this song even predates Nirvana. It's actually like on the Fecal Matter demo tape yeah, and stuff. Yeah. Um, and I, I, it's just, it's really impressive to see like from, I, I mean he must have been like eighteen or something like when he first you know recorded this song. uh It's just impressive to see that like he sort of always had it. You know, it's not like he, yeah, were you know had to work. You know, it's like he's almost fully formed like from from the offset, which uh, is is very impressive.
0: Well, Dan's first, super edgy. Pants. Yeah, I, I'll um, say Bleach is my favorite Nirvana record. <laughs> See, I, uh, I'll have maybe more to say about that later, but I, I feel that Bleach has such a cool vibe that has aged really well. I do want to return to that, but it doesn't have a lot of like super highlight songs. Um, yeah. Maybe that's something that we'll all have more we'll, to say We'll disagree on that, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but Darren, what is your number nine Nirvana song? Number nine for me is Sliver. Okay. All right. I didn't make my list. I'll say that's my next song, so. Okay. Oh.
2: <laughs> so, you know, I wanted, I really wanted a song to that, and I felt like this was the best candidate for it, that kind of represents a bit of the goofier side okay. of Kurt, you know what I mean? I'm thinking of songs like, you know, Beeswax, Aero Zeppelin, all those tracks like Incesticide that are just full of like really ridiculous yeah. lyrics and mm-hmm. stuff. And this one just seems like a much, you know it has some darkness to it obviously but it is still like lighter you know in terms of like the theme talking about you know you know being at grandma's and all this kind of stuff and like kind of going through like everyday sort of like kid stuff you know what i mean or like being miserable right yeah um and then you know musically i think that this is like a really cool track you know it's only like 2 minutes like it gets right to the point you know it's great live a lot of fun and i feel like you know, Kurt was so good about thinking about you know how would his songs translate in like the live realm. You know what I mean. And I think that's why you see some of these early tracks like Sliver show up on the in Utero tour. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean. Like they they were always great cl- crowd pleasers, and this is this is one of them for me. Yeah, why did it
1: make your list? Dan? Yeah, this this is my number eight, and and for a lot of the same reasons Darren just said. I, I Cobain, you know, he always gets like the the you know dark edgy you know thing but there's there's some silly goofy songs and you know but they're they're fun and and this is one of them you know it's just this banal story of like uh being dropped off at your your grandparents house while your your parents go and i think i think they're going to a show and in the story you know and it's like something that like i feel like just everybody sort of has had that experience where you uh, uh you know you do that and you you just you don't want to even if you like your grandparents you just like want to be at your house and it's it's just like a a funny story and it's a good song musically i love the the bass line in it is uh really pronounced and uh it just great it's a great live track like darren said um you know it's i think it's their second single ever um and yeah, yeah i mean it, it 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 makes it all the way to their final tour and uh you know there there's in inside this banal story and everything there's like still like this this melancholy like in the silliness you know with him, uh you know talking about i want to be alone and all that stuff which is that like teenage or <laughs> this is even pre-teenage like sort of <laughs> angst right.
0: you know that like i don't know it's, it's just really interesting yeah, it didn't make my list and I will admit actually that it's kind of always been a song that annoys me a little bit. Uh I find it kind of repetitive and in my opinion it it's is not something I realized. Yeah. It's not something I realized back then, but Nirvana comes out of this alternative 80s rock world and then they like completely transcend it. You know, I used to kind of think that Nirvana just kind of popularized the stuff that the Pixies were doing or that Sonic Youth was doing, but I really feel now that they do something new like they really bring something new but there are these songs like sliver which are just if this was all nirvana was they would be another one of these gem 80s bands like yeah. the replacements or 80s rem or like the vaselines who they like to cover so much you know um they would really fit right in that but they outgrew it you know what i mean yeah, I, I completely agree with that.
1: Uh, you know, if, if this was the, the end of Nirvana, you know, this is the, the height that they ever reached. Yeah, they they would just be one of those sort of hidden gem bands. They wouldn't have, you know, changed the world or anything. But, you know, not everybody has to change the world. You know, it's still a great song.
0: Yeah, I do appreciate, like, the the fun that they're having. I do think that's a really underrated part of Nirvana. Um, my number nine is not fun at all. It's Milk It from In Utero. Mm, nice. Um This is a weird, weird song. I mean, I just feel like it is so, it is so so dark, and it's like this amazing. I mean, just almost the perfect example of Albini, Steve Albini's production, with like these heavy thudding drums that you can really hear the room they're in, you know, and it creates all this sort of empty space with these especially like with the clean, just completely off key guitar, which (laughs) is like played very quietly. (laughs) And it's like that contrast of the, this like really lightly played guitar with these just booming drums in an empty room. It creates like the most interesting kind of soundscape. I think that this week I really began to appreciate Nirvana's arrangement abilities and you know, they're always doing it with like three people, you know? I mean, there's actually an overdubbed of one of those like clean guitars comes in later on in the quote unquote solo section. But um, it's just three people and it just creates like this huge, just foreboding feeling in this song. I also think that it's like it's almost like a comic exaggeration of the soft, loud mm-hmm. dynamic that you were talking yes. about. Yes. Um, I feel like in a lot of these you know a lot of these um i don't know a lot of these songs he is like mocking the thing he set out to do this is like something i want to return to like just the idea of radio friendly unit shifter he's like writing like just a banging hook on that song and yet he's like mocking the idea of doing it you get that sense right like there's no way he sat at a
2: guitar and wrote like this verse with like feedback he was like yeah i'm gonna just gonna you know play some feedback and write this first no like you know <laughs> that was a legitimate decision like no 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 you know he wanted to turn something on its head or not just have the bass running through the through the verse he wanted to do something else you know what i mean like i think that kurt was always searching for ways to change up the formula you know and then of course you look at like some of the b-side tracks like verse course verse, where he's acknowledging the fact that you know people realize that a lot of their songs are very formulaic Milk It, I freaking, like, I love that song so much. I really do. And I really wanted to put it on this list. And it's, like, literally number 11 for me. Mm. Um, I've always loved that, that track a lot. And I, I feel like we haven't said anything yet about Dave Grohl's, like, thunderous drums I know. Just on, you know, so many tracks. And, again, I keep talking about live. But, man, like, he is incredible. He's just really yeah. such a key component of of the band. And I guess, you know, when you, when you talk about, like, just three people putting this music out there like every person in that three trio like counts like you know you pay such close attention to each one of them and they all three even you know chris
0: Novoselic, brings it and this song is is a great example of that I was expecting this to make your list, Dan. Am I wrong?
1: I, you know, it was really close. Like I talked about with the play, this this made the last round. You know, it's if if mm. uh, radio friend, friendly unit shifter was eleven, you know, this was probably twelve. Um, I got really close. I, I do love this song. Um, you know, it's just it's just nuts. Um, that that Albini production, great. I just I, I got some other in utero stuff on here that I think. I you know I just okay, edged I edged understand. it out a little bit.
0: Yeah, and something I I I think we'll return to pretty often is uh, another thing I love about this song is this like conflation of his life with his musical career, which is something he was so prone to doing, but it just feels like this song thematically it's kind of mixing, you know, the lyrics like almost suicidal self-destructive thoughts with kind of like a relationship that is probably like <laughs> toxic in a like you know dependency mm-hmm. kind of way and it manifests it manifests itself in the music which is also destructive it's like actually destructive to his career to put out a song like this you know <laughs> on the follow-up to Nevermind. i mean the way those things intersect which will come up again and again on my list at least uh is really fascinating but number eight dan you already said it which was sliver sliver number eight for you darren is what Smells like teen spirit. Okay. Nice. All right. So we covered that one too. Back yep. to me already. Number <laughs> eight, man who sold the world. Did this make either of your lists?
1: Again, that's another close one. And, uh, wow, you didn't include Bowie on the list? I am shocked. Dude. No, I, I, I I, I, <laughs> I, I got something else from Unplugged on there that, that, just sort of edges it out but yeah i mean i i love this song this this is this song is how i discovered david bowie um yeah because they used to play this song on the radio you know the nirvana version on the radio a lot and yes. i loved it and uh in the kazaa napster days i in any, any of these nirvana songs that were covers i would always get the you know the original and so i got you know man who sold the world fell in love with bowie and uh have you know gradually gotten more and more into them ever since um so yeah i i i love it the one thing that's annoying is uh you know it's unplugged but this is very
0: clearly not uh an acoustic (laughs) guitar but I got to say my favorite part of the song is when he like completely flubs the beginning of the solo. Like he misses the note like almost three times before he like, you know, it's like, and then he finds it. It's like magnificent. Did this make your list, Darren?
2: it did not it was very close it was very close i thought for sure both of you would have it on there and then you guys would ridicule me because (laughs) bowie cover um but it was it was real close just like bowie was in that top albums
0: uh, oh yeah (laughs) let's not get back into that um (laughs) to me this is the definitive version of this song i think that bowie's version feels and i'm totally biased because i came to bowie's version long after i already had listened to this one a million times but it feels like undercooked to me like it's not i completely agree the essence of the song has not been discovered yet until this unplugged performance and he just nails it. And it's amazing because the song like thematically, you know, seems to have something to do with like selling out or something like losing yourself in, you know, some sort of transaction or something and trying to save face. And it's, it feels so relevant to what Kurt is dealing with, um, that I feel like that's why he's able to so fully inhabit this song. Um, but it just, you know, strikes me as like, you know, it's like the, well, Dan will hate this, but like all along the Watchtower, how Jimi Hendrix has really the definitive version of that Dylan song. Uh, this this is that to me. And I also had an epiphany this week um, where I think that Nirvana, Kurt especially, like taught me how to listen to music because like you were saying, Dan, I mean, when I heard this, I had to check out Bowie and that led me, you know, to T-Rex, that led mm-hmm. me to Lou Reed, you know, like... When I'm listening to Nirvana and he's so outspoken about his influences, he covers things, he brings like guests up. I have to check out, you know, the Meat Puppets. I have to check out Sonic Youth. You know, I got to hear Neil Young. Like, this is how today, like to this day, I listen to music in this way where if I love something, I want to know what makes them tick. And I just Mm -hmm. follow the trail backwards. You know, like that was actually... I never realized until this week that was very important to my young music fan life. Oh yeah, yeah,
1: hundred percent. I mean, that there's so many bands that are currently favorites of mine that I found from either reading Kurt talk about them or hearing Kurt, uh, you know, cover them or 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 whatnot, or find you know just finding them through the chain of Nirvana. Like I, I feel like it's so much of what I like you know if you made a big family tree yeah. you know kurt is the is the great great grandfather Seven <laughs> you know degrees of separation yeah exactly
2: yeah I, I i totally agree and i i think that um you know he deliberately says this
1: is a david bowie song or, right. yeah he never like song. tries <laughs> to hide it or anything you know yeah I mean,
2: I mean i mean there's a lot of bands that cover cover other artists and they don't say a word about, no no exactly because
1: it's almost because a lot of times uh it's You know it's almost like a little shameful to cover something you know and and, you (laughs) know so you you sort of bury it as as much as you can or
0: you know it's just an album b-side or something but yeah not not all bands are like you know this willing to (laughs) expose themselves like kurt will just say smells like teen spirit i was trying to rip off the pixies oh yeah exactly and that sends me to the pixies and like i kind of love him for it and you know you could if, if like your favorite band was radiohead you could listen to them all your, you know, your life and they never really talk about their influences. Like you, you would have to, you have to kind of figure it out for yourself. Kurt is just like telling you, and that's really helpful for a young music fan, I think. Um, but okay. We're on to number seven, Dan. What is your number seven Nirvana song?
1: My number seven, uh, it comes from Nevermind. It's uh, "Territorial Pissings." Uh, okay, th- this is the one song on Nevermind that like still has that sort of noise rock edge. You know, yes. old ol Butch Vig couldn't couldn't uh, blunt the edge on, on this one. <laughs> um, I mean, it, it, this uh, this this song almost like belongs on In Utero uh, a little a little mm. more than Nevermind. You know, I, I love Kurt's vocals. Uh, at, you know how he's oh just like ends with him like screaming and he's like losing his voice. Um it's just like this is a a, a kick ass uh rocking song. Did that make your list, Darren? It did not make my list.
0: You it's know, probably one of my least
2: favorites. Wow. Oh, never mind. Yeah. Pled Very
0: confirmed. <laughs> <laughs> it's actually, you know, for me, this is one of my like maybe eleven or twelve um songs. Um it's You know, it just really strikes me as like, and I was thinking about this in terms of Milk It as well. And a lot of songs, to be honest, where you get the sense that Kurt is just like giving it his complete, you know, just his all. I mean, he is like literally destroying his voice. Mm -hmm. And again, I'm constantly amazed by this. And I think this is what was like so intoxicating for me is like he is so authentic in a way like he is just really giving it to you and so there's something like like self-destructive about the way he sings this song like literally in a sense of his vocals which is you know like mirrored in his real life the way he lives his life you know it's um you you just you hear this and you're like thinking i mean now i'm thinking dude like if you want to be you know, like Eric Clapton or something and be rocking into your sixties. Like it's not going to happen to <laughs> stop singing like this. Like you can't, you can't sustain this. And it's almost like he just didn't give a fuck. You know, yeah. he was, that yeah. was never in the cards. I think that's right. incredibly inspiring.
2: Oh yeah. And the, I mean, you hear that in the live albums too. Like what out, li- what live albums that have, you know, officially been released. I mean, listen to how Kurt is singing. Like he is going, he is giving it his all, you know, and this is on a tour, you know what I yeah. mean? And right. It's not
1: like night after it's night. It's not yeah. like
2: a. Yeah, and it's not like a you know Bob Dylan sort of deal where it was like all planned out. Here's what we're gonna do. This show kind of thing. No, like he's just getting up there and you know kicking. He doesn't even say much to the crowd during most of these shows. You know what I mean? He's just going all out. You know, every time it seems like. Yeah,
0: always giving it his all. Um, all right, your number seven, Darren. My number seven is also from Nevermind. It's Breed. Okay. All right. Interesting pick. This this yep.
1: comes up on mine soon.
2: Oh. Oh, okay. Very cool. Yeah, so this is one of my favorite tracks on Nevermind. It's again kind of different from the soft loud soft because it's just loud the entire time. <laughs> right. Uh, you know, and it it's one of those it's actually kind of a rare thing where at least in the Nevermind and in, in, in utero, between those two albums for one of their songs to just be pure rockin', like high octane, you know, hitting the ground at 150 miles an hour not stopping you know what i mean um and incredibly catchy uh just blistering energy throughout and one of my favorites live who was one of my favorites to to play on the guitar back in the day i mean it's just still a great song
1: Yeah, this uh, I guess I'll save the number, but uh, it's coming, Uh it's coming soon. But yeah, I I I like it for again a lot of the same reasons as Darren said. I I I think this is a good example. You know, the mixing and production of Nevermind gets a bad rap most of the time, justifiably so. I think here (laughs) though, this this is like a good example of like this is a great like headphone song. Um, It is. I really like the uh, the guitar is like completely or almost completely in the right channel, and then there's like that really. awesome like fuzz bass in the left yeah uh, i just yes. i love that mixing and then when the uh solo comes how it like the guitar switches and sort of goes back and forth it, it, it like it's like a little yeah. dizzying and everything uh, you know that 100 percent stole that idea when we were recording oh, that, like, I, like, sure it did. Stuff,
2: you know what i mean like, yeah
1: i'm sure you and eight billion <laughs> other people exactly, like have stole that idea exactly. uh you know and, and it's a great idea to steal um you know so like it, it is nice that like nevermind really does like at times have some good production. You know, it it has its flaws. It it has its, you know, overproduction. But here is like where, you know, this this is like a good example of like essentially uh an indie band getting a major budget. Uh, You know, you get to do stuff like that and it's used well as a great, great track.
0: Yeah, it didn't make my list, but it was it was in the in the running. Um, I do think that it is kind of like the perfect album track, you know, because Nevermind is a weird album in the sense that you get like three of the biggest singles of the entire decade right in a row. Mm -hmm. And then it just feels so necessary that you like, you know, just blaze through with a completely wild, just album track. Like it's not a single and it's not designed to be a single, but it like keeps the energy going. It's the perfect transition into the other big single lithium. But yeah, I mean really inspiring to me, the guitar solo, which is you know I I was sort of amazed this week where I was really like wow these these are some formulaic songs um and I feel like Kurt is always kind of asking himself like what could I do instead of a solo you know <laughs> like I've done yeah. maybe yeah. too many like every bridge of every song. Um and so then he just, you know, so then it's like every once in a while you get these neat little things that are like, you know, Chris Novoselic does a little bass solo. Like, hey, that's kind of rare and cool in the in the canon. Or like here, instead of like any kind of soloing, it's just like shredding, you know, like you know, I don't even know what to play it, but just playing, you know, hitting like high chords as fast as possible. Um, Right. But really, really adds, it's like a a rush that the song needs. Um, I'll get into my number seven, which I'm going to be very surprised if it's not on either of your lists. Heart-Shaped Box. It's not on mine. Wow. No. It is definitely on mine, but like later. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> yeah, you know, this is another one where I kind of feel that the rush that it used to give me, similar to Smells Like Teen Spirit, I no longer feel, but I think it holds up better than Smells Like Teen Spirit because it's a really wild song. I mean, I think similar to to Teen Spirit, it's got this, like, lumbering kind of quality. It's not like Breed, which is just, like, this rush of energy. This is, like, heavy, thudding, plodding. And I know that, like, with Teen Spirit, they kind of often amp up the speed um, when they play that. But, the, you know, the studio track is, like, five minutes long, and it's just this juggernaut of, yeah, like, yeah. heavy sound. I mean, Heart Sheet Box kind of works in just the same way. It's also quite long. But, you know, I'm really in love with the, like... The whole thing feels like almost out of tune, you know, because like these sort of, you know, dun, 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 like it feels just like kind of bendy and drunk again, kind of like dumb does to me. And then the way the whole chorus is like actually built on bending notes, you know, the whole thing is just like really strange and like wobbly. And, you know, it just is really perfect for the you know for the the topic of the song which is basically the most fucked up love song ever written you know <laughs> um just the lyrics like what is it i wish i could eat your cancer when you turn black like yeah you know what a way to Throw say down your i love you yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah i mean i just feel like you know theme and sound is just stunning you're kind of with me on this darren oh yeah and you know i don't want to get too much into it but uh you know what a weird chorus
2: right i mean Mm -hmm. it's just such a strange chorus but um you know i i'll I'll save most of my thoughts for a bit later but yeah great track okay but you love
1: it right dan Uh, yeah i mean of course I, i honestly i don't know if there's any nirvana song you know besides like marigold that i would say uh sucks <laughs> oh, wow um, oh, wow dave girl shot take that dave Grohl, yeah. <laughs> Ch- chad channing for life um uh, oh, boy. Uh, <laughs> but uh yeah no th- th- this is a great song the 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 it, it made it made at least a few rounds of of, of the list um it just did I ultimately couldn't pull it out but um you know the the chorus you guys talked about you know i i think it's like sort of the and maybe it's just because we're so far removed from it, but like it's almost like parody, you know, like it, it's almost like if you were gonna make something making fun of Nirvana, like that's sort of the hmm. kind of lyrics you would use, and maybe it's just because like I think of that song when I think of that, but um maybe. you know it's just like it, it's great, you know I don't don't get me wrong, no nobody sent me an email I, I love the song, I just think it has its flaws um it's definitely one of the like better singles, one of the ones I can still stomach a little more yeah. maybe because i hear it less than than others but um yeah it, it just ultimately c- couldn't,
0: couldn't pull it out on my list all right well we are at your number six then
1: yeah number six uh from in utero um tourette's this is this is the song oh, okay. i was sort of uh, <laughs> uh referring to when when I, it, it sort of knocked okay. off radio friendly unit shifter. Off the rails completely. And, yes. and milk it too. You know, this. Yeah. Pe- yeah. People always credit like radio friendly as like the, the fuck you to the label. But like, just imagine being like some. 50 year old suit you know at at, at yeah. geffen records and then you're like oh the new nirvana let's see what the kids are into and then this fucking song playing yeah i would have i would have been so angry if i was that guy um but that but that's exactly what it would it you know what kurt wanted and it's this is just like a, a fantastic noise rock song you know like if this was a big black song it would be the the best big black track you've (laughs) ever heard you know and it's like it sort of is like a (laughs) like a throwaway you know it's like really just kurt saying fuck you to to the suits um but like moderate rock yeah no i you know i love that (laughs) um it's just like there's so much of that like attitude and and you know i kind of hate the term but the the punk rock you know niss yes, of nirvana yes. is like a hundred percent in this track uh i mean who else only somebody who just released Nevermind, which goes you know platinum over platinum uh could turn in tourette's and it, and it make the record
0: yeah it's it's very very brave um i'm guessing it didn't make your list darren but you have anything to say about it
2: no i mean it's a great track you know it's very abrasive um it's quick you know what i mean so uh not one of my favorites but <laughs> okay. um it's kind of like know, the I
0: territorial could... pissings of
2: this yeah record. yeah yeah That's
1: but exactly. it's it's territorial pissings turn to to 11 you know it it, it, <laughs> yeah, it sort of yeah. makes that sound like poly almost you know <laughs> <laughs> okay
0: all right uh what is your number six track darren My number six is
2: Aneurysm. Mine too.
1: Wow. Look at
2: that. So I made a Spotify playlist similar to Dan. Thank you, Dan, for that. You're welcome. Um, And my version of Aneurysm that I picked is actually a live version from the the Paramount record. Oh, okay. And I'm going to tell you why. Because I just feel like the two uh, studio versions just don't capture the sort of like unhinged energy that that's fair uh that they play when they do it live and it's not just this one actually the first time i i really fell in love with this track was uh from the muddy banks of wishcocks i was like the only live album back Uh, in our day mm -hmm. right you know yeah and um i loved it then i already loved it more than the studio album um so coming coming to this Uh, live album, which sounds so much better than the Muddy Banks. Um, I just absolutely love the song. I mean, it's, I'm actually surprised. I see a lot of people talking about it being like the best Nirvana song and I'm, you know, I I think it's totally a fair assessment, but to me, it's really the live version that, that makes it one of the best.
0: Yeah. It's another, it's another amazing mixture of topic and uh, sound and You know, the Vulture article, Andy Beta's article, I don't want to like totally rip off his points, but he kind of mentions that, you know, the song could either be about like shooting up heroin or being madly in love with someone. Um, I always think it's interesting how like pure, how like Kurt is just really into writing like really kind of pure love songs. He does them in his own twisted way, as we talked about on Heart Shaped Box, but he's often just like madly in love or something. And I mean, even Tourette's is kind of like a love song in a weird way. And you know this song more than any just kind of like captures the joy of that but also the like nervousness like you know of maybe falling in love that intensely or something because you know that high note that builds up um it makes me very anxious you know it's like very unnerving and yet completely exhilarating and the whole song is just like a it's like a pure sugar rush or something in the sense of you know like do the twist and you know the ooze and the you know beat it beat it it's like really self-consciously a fun as fuck pop song? Yeah, it like really like it, when you listen to it it like weirdly has like a,
1: a saccharine sheen to it, you know? Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, it's a great song. It did, it didn't make my list. Um I, I do kind of wonder like why th- like uh this is just like a uh recorded at the BBC, I think, right? Um it's kind of weird mm, that it, that it never uh
0: like made a a proper record or anything. It is kind of weird, but I feel like it, it must have been like one of the big selling points of incesticide like a new song of the quality of nevermind basically
2: they they first recorded it in 91 i think right before i don't know if it was for nevermind but like one of those first sessions was like in january and then they did it again at the end of that year
1: Mm. yeah the incesticide version is is at the bbc i don't don't know if there was another recorded but yeah the one everybody
0: knows is yeah well ended up basically a b-side but um it's it is one of those things where if you want to be you, you'll, you'll like the vibe of Nevermind you know you're not totally into the like abrasiveness of in utero but you're not a mainstream you know chad so you <laughs> pick uh aneurysm as your favorite yeah, song that, that's basically that's that's a perfect description of it yeah that's well and, yeah i
2: think it's also fair to mention here that like you know we're putting a b-side at on our list and that just goes to show yes. you know how great how deep yeah. uh Nirvana's catalog goes beyond the albums i mean i don't have any other b-sides on my list but there were definitely some that i was like you know enjoying listening to
0: yeah again. i did realize that there this list for me i actually want to return to this but a little bit of a fool's errand because part of what makes uh Nirvana so great is the wealth of hidden gems in their discography. Yeah, like for that's sure. you know, come for the hits, stay for the <laughs> weird B sides, basically. Exactly. Um all right, your number five, Dan.
1: Yeah, my number five uh is from in utero and it's very ape and uh
0: something you wow. You just, wow you got a wild list man you got a wild list here was that just in a row territorial pissings tourettes and very ape i i don't even i i'm so turn it up to 11 man
1: i'm so patrician i don't even i don't even get what you're making fun of me for um (laughs) but no i think i think what you just said you know aneurysm is like you like the style of never mind but you you're not a chad this is (laughs) <laughs> very apes, you're you're uh, you know whatever the opposite uh you know of a chat is you're you're so patrician uh yeah no i think that i think this is a uh it, it's a sort of like the perfect mix of the the pre nevermind uh you know bleach era nirvana but with a little bit of the sensibilities and the the production and uh quality yeah, of nevermind yeah. you know it's sort of like like this is what in utero you know um should be and sort of like what people would expect it to be um you know it just sort of is like the logical next step for them i think it's a a great example of that whole soft loud uh thing um like darren alluded to and everything um it's a great track for patricians only (laughs)
0: <laughs> it's also a very it's a very interesting look at you know you there's just a couple nirvana songs that give you a look at like writing without power chords you know yes, the idea yes. that there's like this high note that's kind of like following through the whole song um very unique in the discography and does seem to kind of point toward you know there are other songs that we'll talk about but kind of moving away from power chords a little bit is very interesting right darren yeah
2: and like the strumming during the verse is a bit like you know funkier like a little bit yeah kind of actually yeah, which is yeah. just something that you don't really hear anywhere else but um you know what i think really makes this song is steve albini's uh production yeah i mean like yes. I, I cannot imagine this as like a nevermind track you know what i mean oh, i just think God. it would be terrible yeah but um man it really like it's so full and like the guitars are just like you know thick and like uh so Raw, yeah. yes it's it's just so well captured all right what is your number
0: five darren Number five for me is also from
2: in utero It is Serve
0: the Servants. Okay, that's on my list. A little bit later, I'll save the number, but why'd you okay. pick it? Um, you know, it's just an incredible like start to In Utero, you
2: know what I mean? To the record that follows up Nevermind with a track that, you know, s- the first lyrics that are out of Kurt's mouth it, you know are like uh teenage angst has paid off well, you know, basically commenting <laughs> yeah. on like, Yeah, thanks for all that uh smells like Teen Spirit Money. It's been great. Um <laughs> And, you know, it's just in it, the the first chord that is played is just so like, <laughs> I, know. I don't even know what chord it is, but um, it's a perfect, you know, introduction to what you're about to hear, which is to me, one of the greatest rock albums, you know, of all time. Um, I love like the lyrics, you know, uh, I love the guitar solo in this track. I mean, honestly, you know, I specifically kept Teen Spirit on this record to just say like that serve the servants is a better song <laughs> head to head. I think it's a better song, better solo, better pretty much everything.
0: But, uh, yeah. 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 I, I also, I mean, I think it's just this, it's just the perfect opener to this record. Like you said, and this is one of those things where, you know, he's so he's kind of like lashing out at critics, you know, the press who's been like really cruel and misogynistic to Courtney love. Um, kind of like rejecting this voice of a generation thing, taking you know, pot shots at his dad. Uh, but again, it all feels like it's ending up kind of pointing at him uh, a little bit. Um, and it kind of announces the project of this album, which is like going to be kind of a self-destructive one. And yeah. to me, like the most amazing thing about this song is that it's, it's the perfect example of what I was talking about earlier, where it's like mocking the song itself, that guitar line, like na 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 na, it sounds like a joke, like if you're gonna make fun of <laughs> pop music, you know right, and the whole thing is like sarcastic, and just this the way that like the you know sort of chorus ends like not on the right chord but like on that chord you mentioned that's just completely <laughs> off and wrong like. It's got that same drunken feel that I've mentioned a couple times on In Utero where everything's like kind of bending, warping out of tune, like sounds like it's about to fall apart. Albini's production is amazing, the drums oh, yeah. especially, um, but like it's actively hostile to what he, it's sarcastic about mm-hmm. even making a follow-up to his voice of a generation record. I don't suppose this made your list, Dan?
1: No, it didn't. Um, I, I like it. Um but you know, it's sort of just it's sort of a throwaway track uh, to me. I, I do I do uh <laughs> I, like I don't think this this has ever made the playlist. Uh, I do love that first, you know, line The Teenage Angst has paid off well. Now I'm bored and yeah. old. Uh you know, <laughs> I, I I've always loved that, you know, it's great. It, it, again, there's there's no there are basically no bad Nirvana songs. Um It's true. But yeah, it could make the cut.
0: Yeah. Um all right, so my number five is "In Bloom." Did this make either of your lists? Uh, it did
1: not. Um, too not sick noticed. of it, huh? Yeah, yeah I'm t- working at the radio. Yeah,
0: basically, <laughs> I, I think we me, play this song the most. Honestly, <laughs> to me, this is the um, this is the like single from Nevermind that has aged the best, in my opinion. You know, it really feels like a. You know, it's it it just feels like Nirvana in world beater mode. Like if in utero is them self-destructing or sabotaging their own success, this has the sound of a band like aiming for like world domination. Almost it's like huge. It's big. It's like kind of, it's a very sweet, like kind of bright uh, pop song almost with these bright harmonies. And yet it's got this like explosion of energy. You know, the video is the perfect Yeah, I love the video. Encapsulation of this, like, with this kind of fun, like, you know, 60s, 50s band, and then, like, just switching to thrashing and destroying their instruments. Uh, It plays that dynamic so well, and that's, like, kind of both sides that make Nirvana great, I think. Um, You know, I also think that it's, like, something we haven't really touched on. We kind of did serve the servants you mentioned, Darren, but Nirvana is almost king of the anti-solo, like... Yeah, (laughs) it's supposed to be a big guitar solo, but instead it's just like fucked up beyond recognition. (laughs) It's like just feedback and destroyed and like in bloom basically has my favorite one of those serve the servants has another great one. And have you ever listened Darren to the um, you know, the 2013 mix Uh, Steve Albini did a remix for the in utero deluxe edition and for serve the servants. He uses like a different take of the guitar solo and it is so fucked up. It is like. It is like more fucked up than like any Pixies guitar solo. It is nuts. It is so oh. worth hearing. Yeah, um I have to listen to that. Yeah. But you know, I just one thing I wanted to ask you guys is kind of like, and maybe this is something we could just kind of t- return to naturally, but it's like to me what makes a song so interesting is is like I said, they're kind of like going for it, whereas in just two years they'll be wishing they could take it all back. And <laughs> do you feel like this sort of it feels like the career arc of Nirvana, their story, their mythology, is so important to these songs. Like, they're just not the same without them. I don't even know if I would like In Bloom as much if I didn't know, like, where it stood. You know what I mean? No,
1: yeah, they. they I, I get you. Yeah, they're one of those bands, and we've talked about this uh, on the podcast a lot of times, you know, a lot of bands, a lot of albums. You, the, the backstory is sometimes, like, what really sells it. and And Nirvana is one of those bands. And I think it's because um one it's interesting and two like they are sort of like that first band you get like obsessed with as a kid or as a teen and so you you want to dig into it and then you know it's the perfect band to do it um so yeah I, yeah I get what you're saying
2: yeah and i mean and i totally agree you know and their story is only like a few years long yeah yeah really exactly great, and but it, but contained within those few years is just so much like it is just it's, so rich crazy. with fascinating stories and just like you want to know everything there is to know about kurt that's why his you know his freaking journals were were (laughs) published and people are like reading all of his personal thoughts i know because you just just got and even
1: like it's like and even you know i i've listened to nirvana for you know 20 years now and i still learn new things uh like i didn't know uh that this song is like about uh dylan carlson from earth like he's the one who likes to shoot his guns and stuff um which which is great another band i found from uh nirvana uh, that i now love
0: yeah i mean i think that um well it's something i'll i'll be able to uh to return to here but it's like it's like the it's like a shakespearean play or something like his rise and fall i mean it's like greek tragedy or something it's just stunning Um, all right. What is your number 4, Darren?
1: Yeah, my number 4 is one we already talked about. Uh from Nevermind, uh Breed. What what number was that oh, for you, Darren? That was number 7. Okay, yeah. Yeah, so 7 for me. Yeah. I already talked wow. about it. High yeah,
0: honors. Breed. All right. What is your number 4, Darren? Number 4 is where did you sleep last night? Okay, that's um, on my list a little bit later. Is that on your list? Dan? That's on my
1: list a little bit later. Mhm. I had a this. feeling I was
0: the one you were talking about when you shouted <laughs> <Yeah>. out on Floyd. <unplugged.
2: laughs> all right, so how come? I, uh, you know, I want to just to take a moment to talk about two things, like Nirvana's ability to cover songs, which you kind of you yeah. know, got into, and then Kurt's voice, right? Because, yes, I mean, <clears throat> say what you will, and probably enough has been said. Kurt Cobain's voice is one of a kind. You know, you know all the people who came after. Who tried to emulate him never even got close. You know. Yeah. Take a listen to all of Unplugged. Take a listen to any of the live tracks. Like his voice is just unbelievable. Like it's just it's incredible. You and you would think, you know it's just this kind of raspy, like deep voice. But it, there's just something else. Like, and I, I, I just wonder if he even realized just what kind of gift he had. You know what I mean? Where Did You Sleep Last Night, I feel like, is a perfect example. Coming at the end of, you know, an incredible acoustic set. I mean, would you say it's take. his finest vocal performance? Because I, I, I kind I, of feel I, that way. I would I would totally agree. And, of course, you're, you're thinking of the same thing I'm thinking of as that shrill at right. the very end of the track. I mean, it's incredible. The very last lines of, you know, the entire set that they just did. All, like I mentioned, one take. Just incredible, right? Yeah, and, yeah. You know and that breath
0: he takes like uh, before yes. he finishes it uh, is it's ugh. just
2: stunning and again another example of taking a song you know you can go and listen to Lead Belly's version or whatever or dozens of other versions and
0: he owns it like this is Kurt Cobain's song you know what I mean yeah yeah I mean I think that there's something so interesting because when I was thinking about this mythology this Nirvana mythology that I fell in love with and which really got me into a lot of bands you know we've talked about this many times but you know, you get into this like whole story and Kurt is really kind of aware of the mythologizing a little bit. Like he, you know, just the fact that he's willing to, well, quite frankly, kill himself, you know, because his music is going to, his art is going to suffer. Like, you know, there's just something so real about that, but it's not bullshit. I really believe that. Like Jim Morrison is bullshit. You know, his (laughs) mythology is, you know, it's kind of fake. Like you, you love it when you're a kid and then later you're like, he's actually an asshole, but the music's still good. But like this is so real you could not fake this performance where did you sleep last night no matter what you could never do it and it's just like this authenticity that he has he like we talked about he really it feels like he's giving this vocal performance everything he has and i can't even like i can't even guess at you know oh well he you know people like to say oh you know he you know he was feeling suicidal and like this is part of that like he just feels so in the moment and it adds a lot of extra weight to to it to know that this is like the last, you know, kind of record of their career in a way. and, right. And yet it just feels like he was gonna give everything he had to this room this small room of people you know what i mean dan yeah i mean this song uh
1: is fantastic i i have it in my notes right here kurt's best vocal performance like but by, yes. by far i mean th- this is a, this is a not only is it a cover song that like he's completely made his own uh it's a it's a folk song from the 1870s you know it's not <laughs> right, it's not right. like you know those meat puppet tracks are, are fantastic but you know they they're pretty similar to the way the meat puppets play it you know, and this is just like this this basically becomes a nirvana song uh, af- after yes, this performance yes. it's it's just like absolutely fantastic it's it's which is nuts because it's like a song that's been covered hundreds of oh hundreds yeah i mean everybody like kurt says it's by Lead belly and stuff but it's not uh it's it's a folk song just lead bellies is sort of the most famous but i think i think lead bellies maybe is the most famous because people know it from nirvana i don't i don't even know from <laughs> right, right? yeah i, from I, yeah, I don't right. know if like before unplugged if lead bellies was the most famous or not um but i mean this an- another thing too i i fell in love with lead belly um later yeah, in my yeah. life be, basically because of of nirvana you know just just another thing um that that whole performance is fantastic i love the little like story he tells before it uh, you know about how uh, yeah. somebody's trying to sell him Leadbelly's belly's guitar and he wants david geffen <laughs> to pay for it for yeah. you know like it, it's like right before this uh you know just like amazing really like sort of melancholy performance you get this like really silly kind of story yeah. which is like so much of what nirvana is you know we, we talked about it with like sliver and everything um there's, like, the silliness to Nirvana that, that gets completely... He's very,
0: like, warm and funny and friendly in between yeah. the most harrowing live album ever made. And I right. think I think right. people,
1: like, forget that about Nirvana. And I know, like, the little story maybe doesn't count as part of the song, but I think it does. Um, <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I think okay. it just, like, shows that that there's, you know, more than one or two dimensions to, to, to Kurt. Um, yeah, that, yeah that, that'll be true. on my list later.
0: Well, that's, um, yeah, I mean, that is like again it's just so much added weight because it feels like his final statement and continuing the topic of um you know songs where autobiogra- autobiography is important my number 4 is you know you're right did that make either Ooh. of your lists that's that is my number 3 wow, wow. didn't wow. make your list wow. Aaron? it's
2: not on my list actually i'm i'm very surprised that you guys uh chose that i i had definitely <sighs> had it around on my playlist but uh but it it didn't make it
0: Hmm. i mean so on one hand it's a great song because it's just so raw it's kind of like turning milk it into a fully fledged song you know it's like feedback and just i mean the feedback is the hook amazingly you know it's just these screeching feedback with him like you know yelling pain over the top but what's and I do want to shout out, like, again, the arrangement is not to be underestimated because it's not just the noise and the feedback and the screaming. It's like <clears throat> the, you know, the, the drum hits on this song are, again, just like fantastic that like, mm-hmm. you know, and then the like toms and everything with the bass. I mean, it's just like so dark and deep. And yet to me, the thing that I I can never escape the autobiographical kind of reading of this song because it was literally Kurt screaming from the dead, you know, nobody heard it until 2002, right? After a long mm-hmm. legal fight and it finally comes out and I had already started to get into Nirvana at this time. I, You know, I'll say that they were basically like one of the bands I had downloaded in my sketchy MP3 folder, you know, it wasn't like <laughs> obsession yet, but you know, hearing this, I knew that he had he had died and everything. And, like, I'm like, this is a dead man, like, screaming. You know, <laughs> the word pain through my TV, it's just, like, you get what I'm saying? Like, th- that's almost the best part of the song, the haunting nature of Kurt coming back for one more, like, just scream for help. And then the way the song kind of marches off, the feedback is just going, the, like, pain is just going, and the drums are just kind of, like kind of marching out while everything disappears and it just feels like he's got you know there he goes back to you know back to wherever he came from and that's the last new nirvana song we'll ever hear you know yeah
2: yeah i remember when this track came out in 2004 um it was what the 10th anniversary of uh kurt's death
0: well actually i think it was a uh it was included on the 2002 best of box oh yeah it came out the same same time
2: as the journal's Got gotcha, you, got gotcha. you. Well, so two thousand two. I remember when this song came out because I remember the video they, yes. they put together. Um, and I, you know, I love this song. Um, you know, I just always felt like well, it's kind of like what could have been. You know, what I mean, like would have loved to have seen what else was 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 in there uh, in his mind at the at the time. I mean, yes. this is like nineteen ninety four, which is just unreal to be listening to a song by Nirvana in nineteen ninety four. But um, yeah, it's it's really it was a stunning track to like and it it felt so cool to us i think because you know it was like a new nirvana track while we were like nirvana fans and stuff so
1: yeah i this is my number three and uh you know i picked it for a a lot of the same reasons you did gabe uh you know it was this weird like not only is it like this weird sort of you know from the grave kind of nirvana song but it like sounds like that you know this is a doom and gloom uh kind of track yeah and you know, it, it's that like the only real like sort of glimpse into like what could have been uh, LP four for Nirvana. Um, All right. It, it's just yeah. That I mean, the the biographical aspect of it is like so important, but it's just also like a great song. I think Kurt's vocals here are are fantastic. Um yeah. And you know, like like Darren said, uh, by two thousand two, I was a a big fan of Nirvana. I went and bought the journals the day they came out. I bought this Greatest Hits, even though I already had every song except this one. You know, I bought it just for the one song, and uh, I, I, you know, it, it was like it was like your it was like being alive, like when or being old yeah, enough to yeah. to care when when Nevermind came out or something. You know, right. um, I even I, I remember um, when when this came out. I was I remember I was in Spanish class and there was this kid that sat next to me, uh, and he knew I liked music and stuff. He's like he had heard the song he's like hey man have you have you heard of this band nirvana they they like their song just came out it's like great and i was like I, uh <laughs> right. i hate to break it to you man but uh he's he's been dead for, for I, a
0: while you know <laughs> i had the same experience we were. my friend somebody you guys will know uh was like i love nirvana you know i got this greatest hits and he's like listening to it all the time and he's like why did they break up and i'm like well i got some bad news for you and he was depressed you know the whole day it was like just like in 94 out teenager's must have felt, but uh <laughs> yeah, I mean what a what a song, and I also wanted to mention um you know, kind of building on what you guys were saying, is that in my life, right, so i'm I'm sort of becoming musically conscious around this time, like I mentioned, and amazingly, i didn't really appreciate it, how incredible this is at the time, but we were still in the post nirvana era, you know, like post grunge was the biggest sound, oh yeah and you had all these bands like whatever like stained and puddle of mud puddle of mud and like nickelback and stuff i mean it's just like nirvana again and again but it's totally corporatized nirvana and (laughs) seether i you know i love oh yeah i love thinking about like the contrast between like you know where did you sleep last night the like pure authenticity there and Mm -hmm. the uh you know corporatization of that authenticity and something like stained and You know, that was the thing. And then I just love that Nirvana kind of comes back and just scorches the earth. Mm -hmm. I mean, even then, I just felt like this is better than anything on MTV that I've ever heard, you know? And I just love that they kind of come back and they're like, fuck you, Nickelback. Uh, Maybe that's a weird way (laughs) way to read it. But okay, that was your number three, Dan. What is your number three, Darren? Number three for me is Heart Shaped Box. Okay, all right. I know you
2: talked about that a little bit, but I did want to add a little bit to that. Um, you know, this is just an, it's such an incredible like poem, you know, for me, like you talk about like Kurt's lyrics and like I, at this, you know, age that I'm at now, I don't necessarily like, am looking for, you know, deep meanings or whatever from Kurt's lyrics, uh, anymore, but you know, just, it's just such a wild track, like lyrically. And I mentioned like the chorus and like, you talked about how, it all kind of just sounds like out of tune and stuff. And like, there's like the overdubbed guitars that kind of like play very subtly, you know what I mean? And I, I think that one of my favorite things about a track like this is like Kurt's again, ability to just add little, little bits. Like Nirvana's not really known for tons of overdubs. and Right. Like, right. Studio magic. But you know, I think Kurt and then like the, the way they added um, that guitarist to the in Utero tour and Pat stuff, I think he just kind of, yeah, thank you. And I think that he just sort of knew... You know, it, Kurt is a great songwriter. He really is, you know what I mean? Like, it's incredible to think that, like, from, like, 1989 to 91, like, his song <laughs> his songwriting style changed, and then to change again so significantly uh, in, by 93 within yeah. Utero. And I think Heart Box, like, really re- represents that. I mean, I know it is, like, the soft, loud, soft, loud type of dynamic that's going on, but, I mean, this song... <laughs> if if they weren't Nirvana like this wouldn't no one would be hearing something like
0: this and in, you know it's just yeah it's incredible yeah another thing I wanted to shout out is the um I'm sure you've listened to the original Steve Albini 1993 mix of this song mm-hmm. because this and what all apologies were replaced by Scott lit remixes or something like that um but the <laughs> I think Kurt it was who said that the original guitar solo of the original Heart Shape Box, um, which is really bizarre and worth listening to, uh, just like Serve the Servants. Um he described it as sounding like an abortion hitting the floor, which I <laughs> really can't agree with, but it is fucking weird. So I would recommend uh, you get that set and check that out. Um, okay, so we're on to my number three, which is serve the servants, which we talked about. Ooh. That brings us to your number two. Dan. Yeah,
1: my number two. Uh, and I'm, sh- I'm sure we'll all be in agreement here. Uh, I put negative creep. Uh, from Bleach. Oh
2: my God! <laughs> he did it. I know. He I know. I might know. as well actually did it.
0: A fucking Motorhead song at number two. <laughs> it's not a motorhead, motorhead song.
1: No, I think that I, I I absolutely I love Bleach. I love early Nirvana. Um, and I think that this is like the the best um the best that early Nirvana is. You know, it's got that. It, it, like this is the best grunge song. You know, people. I think a lot of people that you know, don't know music and all th- kind of think like Nirvana invented grudge. but really they're they're a part of this like grunge scene that's already um, formed and going yeah. on in Seattle but you know their songs e- like even in the moment like sort of stood uh, a head, head above the rest of, of all that stuff and and Negative sure. Creep is one of those uh songs it's just i mean it's a killer like punk rock song it's just the the repetition the i love the the way the uh the guitar and everything like does that that start stop kind of thing throughout. um like this just i i think this is like a peek into like nirvana being so much better than than these bands that they're surrounded by and you know while this isn't gonna you know be a radio hit or anything i think it like sort of shows that they have uh potential to to, to be something that uh people you know outside of just you know music fans uh, will will enjoy um yeah. just an absolute killer
0: track and uh you should all be ashamed <laughs> i gotta say it's like oh, it, it might be my least favorite song on bleach really and wow over over floyd and, the barber and, come on yeah i like that more oh, honestly God. i'll go ahead and um you know clarify what i was alluding to earlier which is no bleach songs made my God. list um, God. Because I think Same. The, the vibe of the record is really cool. And I got to say, like, it's aged in a really cool way because it sounds like I... it's got this like cool kind of late 80s, like, you know, underground rock thing. And it just like sounds very, very fresh to me in a way that I, I wonder if in a couple of years, I, I just I cannot believe that this would happen. But in two more years, well nevermind sound that fresh no because and and i
1: i completely agree with
0: you <laughs> he says definitive no no it won't because
1: the the reason like nevermind won't is because nevermind's production sounds like it's time bleach like doesn't have any of those problems that's why i think you know i i, I love all three of the nirvana records but i think bleach like bleach really has aged the best because it, it doesn't sound like it came out in 1989 it um you know it, it, if this record could have been released today you know like pr- production wise i mean like it doesn't sound yeah, of yeah. its time necessarily and i think that that's the way to like um you know make a record that like truly sounds timeless you know like like a big problem you know we all love prints, but you know some of those albums yeah. you know when those sure. records were made and there's flaws <laughs> in them like because of the time it was made um you know that they're so thin and everything like this yeah, this record doesn't doesn't suffer from anything like that it, it it's timeless and yeah. it's a very unique and sound. and maybe part of it is yeah it yeah, is. and maybe part of it's that like these songs haven't been you know played to death uh
0: forever but um yeah, yeah
2: I think. I, I just don't like. I don't like the drums that much. Me neither. Sure. I don't so think like, this he just, he drum. Just fucking Like he really,
0: you can hear him not being able to keep up with the song. You know what I mean? Like he he actually can't like on school or something. Like he can't do the double bass very well. <laughs> oh, man. Man. But okay, we're, well, well, you know we're, we're we're running low on time here, and the listeners do not want to hear us spend all this time talking about bleach. Let me. <laughs> let me tell you that. Uh, <laughs> okay, um, number. Two, we're on. Two. Darren, what is your number two? Number two is "Drain You" from
2: Nevermind. Um. Wow. Yeah. Wow. wow. <laughs> is it really that deflated bad? me a little bit? Uh, well, didn't you know, make my list. I um, didn't make your list, huh? um You know, I just this is a a personal favorite, but also you know, and I hate to sort of you know agree so closely with the the vulture. Article, but um, yeah, you know, I think that this is one of the best written, you know, tracks that that Kurt ever did. You know, I think that, um, you know, the verse,
0: the chorus, that 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 prolonged bridge, um, or breakdown, I guess you'd call it. Can I ask you, like, my one problem with the song, which I really like, I just don't understand what the bridge is for. It feels like it feels like a bad example of what I was talking about earlier, where he's just like, "What should we do instead of a solo?" And it's like, let's... And it doesn't really amount to anything. Yeah, yeah I don't know um, what that is. I agree with the record version. And,
2: you know, I had mentioned to you guys I was going to have you watch a video. It was a performance that they did on, like, French TV of Drain You. Okay. Um, okay. And it's something they actually also did at the Live and Loud uh, in utero tour show. But, um, Kurt, like... Uh, on the the tv show um his guitar like cuts out during the breakdown so he just drops his guitar like he's like messing with it he drops it and he grabs the mic which is like you know you never see kurt just standing there solo with a microphone and screams like right at the end of the the bridge and it just it's adds a whole new dynamic i feel like to that song it's just like a, a shrill just a scream and he does it again you know on the in utero tour and i feel like every time i hear this song nevermind or any of the you know shows before that it just never hits as hard you know what I mean like it's just missing something and I think Ah. that's kind of what you're alluding to where it sort of amounts to nothing really you know but it's a build-up yeah it's a build-up when when done I think properly and ending in like a Cobain scream I think is you know one of my favorite favorite parts
0: yeah I um yeah, I mean I think that, that that's just my one hang up. I think it's like such a catchy and really like a uncharacteristically bright song. I understand why people love it um and we'll kind of get to this, but it, it came in at number 1 on that vulture list we're going to discuss. Mm-hmm. Um Very surprising. Yeah, any any thoughts on this song Dan or should we keep
1: it uh, Yeah, it didn't make my list uh, obviously and um I I don't I mean it's a good song. I I think it's like sort of one of the you know if I had to cut one song from nevermind okay all right just because i said something about <laughs> the drums on a bleach really no, no. yeah this
0: is this is payback.
1: <laughs> no i mean if, if i had to cut a song from nevermind it'd probably either be this uh, or maybe maybe on a plane uh you know i i i that vulture article which i you know we're going to talk about i i it surprised me that this was number one um yeah i it just yeah. yeah i don't really have much to say about it it's sort of like just one of those sort of throwaway things. I agree that that bridge is like sort of pointless,
0: uh, in the song feels to me like another, uh, you know, you don't want to be a Chad, but you like the sound of of (laughs) a little bit. Yeah. Um, (laughs) So my number two, we already talked about is where did you sleep last night? And at this point I'm starting to think we might all have the same number one. Well, we, we don't have the same number one because
1: I haven't talked about where do we sleep last night yet? Um, Oh, and I thought we oh. I thought we were gonna
0: align. I I was I was looking forward to it. <laughs> wow, wow. Very close. Um did you have more to say about that or did you uh speak your piece?
1: Uh, uh no, I I basically said uh, you know it takes takes the wind out of your sails a little bit when you're when your number one gets spoiled, but um <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, this is just. Yeah, there, there's few bands that like a cover song could could be what I think is is the the best example of that band. Um, but here, I mean, yeah. I think I think just covers are so important in the in the Nirvana world, and this is this is definitely the best one. And it's just, I mean, I don't want to repeat myself too much, but I mean, it just Kurt makes this
0: his song, and it's it's just fantastic. Yeah. Well, my number one, I actually darren if you don't say the song that i have i'm gonna flip i'm gonna lose my shit what is I your number I'm... one my number one is all apologies thank god all well, right okay. <laughs> this is the objective best nirvana song why, why is that darren
2: well you know first off i'm very upset at its placement on that vulture article which i guess we will get to but i <laughs> could not believe egregious um right. and you know, I, I just think that this song, and it's incredible because I love the studio, I love the unplugged version, and I even love, you know, the live version at that live and loud show. It's just, all three of them are just slightly different, right? Yeah. It's 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 the song that, like, I think, being like a musician, like, I wanted to write. Like, I desperately, yes. desperately wanted to write this song or write something like it because it seems so simple, but yet it it, it carries such an incredible weight to it. Of course, when you talk about the unplugged performance, of course, when you talk about what, what he, you know, what Kurt does in 1994, like it's just, it's such a heavy, incredible song. You know, it has so many like, you know, stunning moments, uh, lyrically, um, vocally, you know, the way he's like yelling, married, buried. Oh my gosh. And like, what's really incredible. I kind of wanted to mention this is there's a demo version on the in utero super deluxe and <clears throat> you hear kurt like throws like an extra guitar over the track so it, it kind of like muddies the 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 regular jingle that mm. you're you're used to hearing but um it's just really cool because it's it, it just shows you like his songwriting ability and like his ability to like try something out hear it and then make the right choice you know, and I feel that way about, like, a lot of the Beatles B-sides, you know, when you listen to those, like, outtakes and demos, yeah, you're yeah, like, yeah. man, like, you can hear the song, it's almost there, but it takes, like, you know, a master songwriter to realize what is missing and and make it and perfect it, you know
0: what I mean? Yeah, yeah, it's true. I mean, I just think that, yeah, it's, it's kind of like the... So this is another example of what I was alluding to earlier with Very Ape, where it's like, him beginning to write beyond power chords, and it's such an amazing, like, the, the way that the verse is played is such an inventive way to use a guitar. I mean, I just really feel like Kurt had so much more in him. Even, you know, you're right, is, like, kind of leaving power chords behind and, like, right. just using harmonics for the verse He knew stuff. He
2: knew. He was totally aware. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. The need to kind of move on.
0: Yeah, and, and from what we can tell, doing an amazing job at it. And, you know, just the idea that it's it's like the song on it kind of like combines everything that's great about in utero because it's got like the gorgeous cello you know that that like pops up on dumb for example um it's got like the bendy kind of like slightly drunk feeling like wobbling about to fall apart guitars and everything that i talked about so much the albini drums the drums on this song are so fantastic dave Grohl's fills um you know it's like all here and it's and it's also got, like, a lot of noisiness and a lot of just wild crunch. I mean, that whole part where, you know, of course, the, like, all-in-all-is-all-we-are mm-hmm. part, I mean, you things start feeding back, and they feed back to the point where, like, it's not even feedback anymore. It just sounds like an amp, like, dying, you know, and right. the way the whole thing kind of falls apart, there's even, like, some discordant, discordant cello, like, layered in there, which is a really non-Nirvana move to, you know, like, bring in that kind of um, layering and stuff, And yet it's like this really gorgeous song. A lot of the songs on In Utero are like, and actually a lot of Nirvana songs, Unplugged shows this, are like really beautiful, perfect pop songs, like on the level of Lennon-McCartney or something. Um, And yet this is like the perfect example of it's just like buried in sludge. And yet you can really hear underneath all that noise and distortion, you know, just like one of the most gorgeous songs ever written. I, I just can't believe it didn't even make your top 10? I mean it
1: it definitely made the playlist and it it made it a few rounds. It it got close, you know? I mean, this is inarguably a fantastic song. A lot of the things you said, you know, like the 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 feedback, the discordance and all. Like that's kind of like nuts that that stuff is on a a pop song that's that's fairly popular and played on the radio and everything. And you know, it, yeah, it it's yeah. a, it's a it's a great track. I think it's some of like Kurt's like best lyrics and everything. Yes. Um, yes. You know, it just—I I think it maybe it suffers a little bit from um, overexposure with with me. You know, I, I've just maybe heard it hmm. w- one too many times uh, to to really make the list. But you know, I, I you know I'm not going to argue against uh, either of you or or anyone else. You yeah. know, for putting it on the list. You know, it, 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 in a, in a different mood, it, it
0: might make my list. Yeah, I just feel that you know the best. Nirvana songs like Kurt at his very best you know we've been talking about it a lot but it's like he's just a guy at war with himself and that manifests itself in his music a lot and a lot of times you know where it's like he kind of wants to be famous and take over the world and change the musical landscape and yet he really wants to destroy and self-sabotage and retreat from that fame he like you know, this song is noisy, but it's very beautiful. It's like, you feel like he's almost ashamed of how beautiful it is, and he wants to kind of bury it in sludge, and, you know, yet that just provides this, like, amazing look into just his his mind. I mean, I, I it's just... I don't know. That That's probably the main reason I love it so much, and why I love In Utero so much.
2: Yeah, and, you know, this song has just grown with me. Like, I loved it back then, but now, you know, I'm an adult. I have kids. Like, one of my favorite lines from the track is "You know, um, I wish I was like you easily amused and it to me it just seems like Kurt was so he's so aware of like his own thoughts and his ability to articulate that emotion of like looking at a child and seeing how how much they you know just don't know about the world, but yet everything is you know amusing to them, and they can find enjoyment in everything and he as a person who probably was struggling clearly was struggling with finding that same sort of enjoyment so much to the point where like he was willing to kill himself. You know what I mean? Right. Um, it just, it makes the song like so much more painful and yeah, you know, just, just gorgeous in, in, in general. Like you mentioned.
0: Yeah. And, and the weight of how this just feels like some kind of goodbye or something. Yeah. I yeah. mean, my God, but all right, we are going a little bit over already. Uh, we got a little bit more to get to, um, I don't know if we need to touch on a ton of notable exceptions because we really had much different lists than I was expecting. But um, I think Andy Beta's top 10, again, on Vulture.com would be a good way to maybe, you know, recall some of these notable exceptions and see if we should touch on them a little bit. Darren, could you read um, Andy Beta's top 10 Nirvana songs? I will.
2: Coming in at number 10 was Smells Like Teen Spirit from Nevermind. Number nine was Dive, a B-side from 1990. Number eight was About a Girl from Bleach. There you go, Dan. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Number seven was In Bloom from Nevermind. Number six, School from Bleach. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Number five, Where Did You Sleep Last Night from Unplugged. Uh, Number four, Sliver, the single from 1990. Number three, Heart-Shaped Box from In Utero. Number two, aneurysm, the B side from 1991, and coming in at number one, drain you from Nevermind.
0: So, any reactions to this? Any other uh, songs that you just feel very guilty that you couldn't make on the list? No, I fi- I think it's I, like kind of funny that we we,
1: while not in the same order as uh, as Beta, but like you know we we really do sort of have a, a, a similar uh, uh, selection of tracks. You know that that surprised me
2: yeah yeah there's two things uh i really wanted to include school i like i really love that song i, I think too, it, yeah. it yeah, really works that was... well live if too. it had a
0: better drummer on it i think you...
2: <laughs> <God>. <laughs> <laughs> gabe i'm surprised that dive didn't make
0: your list i always you know
2: I always thought that was one of your favorite songs
0: i i love it i really 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 love it and um it was it was really close to making it but you know I have a hard time justifying putting stuff from like bleach and incesticide like on this list and when there's so many good songs to choose from and like I kind of said earlier you know it's it's sort of a weird task we set for ourselves because what makes nirvana so great are these like weird little gems and stuff and dive would be like among the very best of those like kind of hidden gem songs in their catalog in my opinion I agree maybe one day we'll do a Top 10 B-side list. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I can't believe um, About a Girl didn't make anybody's list.
1: Yeah, I mean, that is, like, a fantastic song. Um, I think the, like, it, it's a little out of place on Bleach, you know? It's, like, the the, the slow, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, love song. Like, Kurt said, Pops Kurt, up, like, yeah. said he was basically trying to rip off uh, the Beatles uh, when he wrote it and stuff. Um, yeah. I, I think it fits, like, way, way better on Unplugged. Um Sure, but yeah, yeah, it's a great song. um Dive oh, almost made my list. That that was another one that that you know it made it a couple times. I took it off, you know. Um, that's a fantastic song. I, I wish that was on uh Bleach. Like, I think that that would be like a, a really good Bleach track. That's
0: true. That that yeah, is. Yeah, I really think true. you're right about that. Actually,
2: um, I had Penny Royalty on my list like early on. Mm. Um, really loved that track from In utero, but just couldn't really couldn't really keep it on there
0: yeah i had um a couple things that like just barely missed i'll say blue from yeah Bleach i had that too. Is had that too. really great song it's like i'm not just trying to fuck with you dan but it's like <laughs> the one song where the the drumming doesn't ruin it because it's kind of like char it, like the song needs like that kind of charming like 80s style like amateurish drumming um but it's really interesting and unique the way that like the high, the lead guitar like matches his vocals. It's kind of like a unique thing in their catalog. Um, I had a uh, scentless apprentice on my list for a long time. I decided that milk. It was a better representation of that complete, like fuck you to my fans. But just the idea that he's screaming, get away, yeah. you know, like, like to his fans who have bought his new record. And honestly, I put it on and I was like, this is a lot fucking harsher and crazier than i even remember like you know this is like a kind of thing where if i was like if i had like the radio on and somebody like was walking by the street i would like turn it down i feel really that so much goddamn it, song. it definitely is it definitely is um i also really close uh probably like the closest like you know weird outtake song was sappy
1: Oh, oh i had that, God, that i had that yeah i had early that
0: early on. on uh as
1: well it's just it's weird because you know that's one of those songs like uh, you know it was originally called verse chorus verse and like kurt mm-hmm. like tried like yeah. that song was recorded for i think almost every like nirvana thing uh, in utero <laughs> yeah, in utero yeah. was almost called verse chorus verse um that that was the mm, second yeah. name uh first it was i hate myself and i want to die uh and then verse yeah. verse and then Ultimate in utero yeah it's like it's weird that like he he you know tried so hard with the song and then it just ends up it's like thrown on it's like a bonus track on like some compilation for like a magazine or something it's like weird that he like <laughs> yeah, put so much yeah. effort into it and then i guess was so dissatisfied with it so i for like i sort of took that into account and thought a little bit like you know if he if he didn't like it you know maybe maybe it didn't deserve it but it it was it was close Hmm. to making it on the list yeah close for you too darren
2: yeah it was um i really i i that was one of the tracks that coming back to it i was like oh my god this song is incredible and it yeah. was on my list for a long time but i just you know kind of like what you were mentioning it was hard to justify like a b-side yeah you know being on that list and i i had aneurysm so i kind of went with that instead but i mean this was like number 12 for me basically yeah.
0: i just remember like a dvd that came with the with the lights out box set uh they're like playing the song and kurt just straight up falls over <laughs> before the solo <laughs> happens you know because it goes like dun, i do dun, know nah, nah, you know and he just hits the ground, like, completely. And I just, like, that that image is seared into my brain For I,
1: I remember being kids and, like, us watching that DVD and then moving the coffee table at your mom's house so you could practice uh, trying <laughs> yes. to fall flat on your face.
0: <laughs> yeah. And I, I, I did it at a couple of concerts, actually, that we played in our high school band. Um, never as cool as Kurt, though. Um, okay, so that, you know, that's some exceptions. There's honestly so many. Uh, we're running overtime. I kind of wanted to ask, like, how you know what's your takeaways from this experience this week just to wrap up like did you find yourself kind of remembering why you don't listen to nirvana that much anymore or did you kind of feel reinvigorated like hey this is better than i thought i remember being in love in high school with the with this music or how did it go it, it was like a fun trip down memory lane
1: i i think you know i'm not gonna keep listening to them you know it's still like i i think Having to listen to, I listen to all the records like m- many times. You yeah. know, it sort of was like, it really grinding that I I know these records inside and out like so well that there's like really nothing left to discover. Um, I still love them. I would I would say I love them, but yeah, I just I I, I don't really uh feel a need to to keep listening. But I did. I had a hard time like making this list, uh, mostly because. There's no, there's no bad Nirvana songs, you know. Like a lot, of, you know, it's in, a, true. in a in a normal band, if if I was doing this, I I think I would instantly know what number one is. When I I really sort of yeah, like grappled yeah. uh, and moved things around, uh, making this list, um, which I think like really is, is a testament to them that that this was so hard to to pick what ten songs.
0: Yeah, my first like go through, I was really. Oh, like recklessly adding things i was like pen cap chew is a fucking <laughs> yeah awesome song yeah that's exactly going on the, that's on the maybe list you know like opinion you know i don't care if it's like barely oh, i fun, fucking you know? love it's opinion. like halfway <laughs> old age i love you know i was just like adding everything if you must and then i'm like oh yeah you know and then i like take a look and i'm like all right there's just no real way that those songs are gonna make it but that was kind of like my takeaway is that i feel like some of these songs are just over listened to for me beyond yeah. repair. Like I can still kind of appreciate them from afar, but I kind of forgot how rich and deep like their their gems are their their extended catalog is. And while I think I'm gonna put away like <laughs> never mind and in, in utero and and everything, um, I might spend the next couple of days like continue to jam some of those some of those songs. What, what was your main takeaway, Darren?
2: Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> like like you guys, it was a uh... You know, I tripped down memory lane, you know. Um, I think pretty quick, once I got past the studio records, I was I, I started to really enjoy myself, you know, yeah. going back through yeah. those B sides that I really had not listened to for a very long time. I mean... You know, I had like aside, like way back in the right. day, and that was that was my experience. But um did do re me almost make your list? <laughs> no, not quite. Though I do love that song. Great song. Um, I really had a great time listening to Live at Paramount and then that Live and Loud yeah. show. I just yeah. hadn't heard those when they were released. Um, so just like listening to those and just just the energy, the sheer energy, and like make it just made me wish so badly that i could have seen them in concert in some way i just feel like it would have been an incredible show but um you know uh, i don't it's sort of like you know i I think at one point i probably would have said never mind and in utero were my favorite albums like kind of going back and forth but it sort of made me realize that in utero definitively is my favorite uh, nirvana album, by and large and i probably won't be listening to the studio records but you know i'll throw on unplugged i'll go through those b-sides for the next like week or so for sure because they just it, it was really fun like coming back to all that and nirvana's a great band so
1: well said all right well i think that's enough for this week so uh, what do you think we'd love to read your thoughts on the air you can email us pop shieldpod at gmail.com we got our next episode in two weeks not sure what we're doing yet uh maybe why chad channing's better than dave Grohl, uh, but if you like the show help us out by subscribing leave us a five star a rate and review wherever you get your podcasts and also stay connected twitter facebook instagram all that stuff uh, i've been uploading the shows on youtube um, at pop Shield pod for all of that and we'll see you next week see ya. so long